Pastor Xavier Reese with biblical simple truths for raising godly children. Listen to Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction, for whom the Lord loves he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. If I love my children, I will confront them. Listen to me. I don't primarily want to be a friend to my child. I want to be a father. And if I'm a good father, a godly father, he will be my best friend in the years to come. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As Christians, we can do our best to raise children that fear God. But what happens when our children rebel and choose to sin against the Lord? Knowing just how to respond to rebellious children can be difficult. Pastor Xavier continues a simple truth study of 2 Samuel chapter 13 about confronting our offspring when they choose to do evil. Let's listen. The message entitled, King David Failed as a Parent. Though children are not judged for the sins of the parents, nor parents for the sins of the children, the parents are responsible for the transmission of godly principles. Ezekiel 18.20 You as the head of your home, and I'm mainly speaking to the men this morning, the principles you can apply to the ladies, but you men are on the chopping block this morning. God will hold you responsible for how you raise your children. You're the high priest of your home. That's your primary responsibility outside of your own salvation, to raise your children in Christ. The sins of David are manifested in his own family. That's what we have here. First, the vile rape of Tamar by Amnon, verse 1 through 14. Secondly, we have the various responses over the rape of Tamar, verse 15 through 22. And then the vengeance of Amnon by Absalom in 23 through 39. Notice the characters involved in the tragic event are three in verse 1 there. All are related. Absalom, the son of David, was the third son of David by Maka, the daughter of Ptolemy, the king of Geshu in Hebron. 2 Samuel 3.3 told us that. Next is Tamar, the sister of Absalom. There in verse 1, she was a beautiful young woman of appearance whose mother was also Makkah. Then you have Amnon, the son of David. It says he loved her. Amnon was the firstborn of David by Ahinoam, the Jezreelite in Hebron, 2 Samuel 3.2. This is the heir to the throne, Amnon. Amnon was the firstborn. Amnon had an unnatural love for his sister Tamar. He said he loved her. His love was sexual lust, not love at all. Notice still in two that Amnon was also in mental and emotional turmoil over how he could get to Tamar sexually. The reason was that she was a virgin under protective care of the king. That's why he needed the permissions we're going to see to request her. The other reason was that he knew it was improper to do anything sexually to her. Not only because she's a virgin, but she's a half-sister. Look at three through five. The perverse counsel of Jonadab was related to Amnon. He was the nephew of David. 1 Samuel 17, 13 tells us that. Jonadab, seeing his cousin Amnon in a distraught appearance, inquired of him. So this guy appears like a real sincere, real good guy. He asked him in verse 4, why being the king's son, he was losing so much weight every day. He asked him, would you not tell me? Amnon told him, I love Tamar, my brother's absent sister. 
He confesses inappropriate lust for his half-sister. No qualms. Just like his father, David, who had lusted after Bathsheba. Jonadab devised an evil plan for Amnon to seduce Tamar. He told Amnon to pretend that he was sick in bed. This guy's bad. Treacherous. He told Amnon, when your father comes, request that Tamar come prepare food for you that you may eat at her hand. The descriptive plan was implemented to realize the rape. In 10, Amnon then told Tamar to bring the food into the bedroom that he might eat it from her hand. So she did. Look at 11. And Amnon took hold of Tamar and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. She reminded him of their relationship. No, my brother. Do not force me. And she declared the evil of it. For no such thing should be done in Israel. Do not do this disgraceful thing. Three times. Three warnings. But notice in verse 14, Amnon had his way with Tamar, despite all the attempts to stop him. The various responses over the rape of Tamar are given. 15 through 17, the accomplished lust of Amnon for Tamar resulted in conduct more vile after the rape. Ladies, listen up here, okay? This is critical. Look at 15. Amnon despised Tamar now. His thoughts and emotions are recorded. Amnon hated her exceedingly. His measure was before and after, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he loved her. He saw her as common now, defiled. Three times his hate for Tamar is stated and more intense than his love for her, which really was less. Ladies, listen to me. Any man who tells you he doesn't like purity is a liar. He wants it for his wife. Amnon dejected Tamar. Amnon was callous by his evil. Amnon said to her, Arise, be gone. Amnon's cruel. Be gone. This was adding insult to injury. He had robbed her of her purity. She had nothing else he wanted. Look at 16. Tamar refused to go away. Her response was immediate. She's broken. So she said to him, No, indeed. Her reason was double indictment. This evil of sending me away is worse than the other you did to me. The other you did to me. She can't even say it. You see, ladies, you are, you are tied more to the sexual relationship than the man. That's the way God has wired you. We need to understand it doesn't mean that you're immoral. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It means that you're wired different and you're wired for marriage to be honored, to be cherished, to be protected. Amnon was vicious, heartless, but he would not listen to her. Look at 17. Amnon ordered Tamar out of his room with disrespectful contempt. Amnon called a servant who attended him as if she were some prostitute. She was his half-sister. Amnon told him, here, put this woman out, away from me, and bolt the door behind her. The phrase, put this woman out, marks his contempt for her now. Where's all that love? The self-righteousness is evident by the words, away from me. I'm Amnon. 
heir to the throne, son of David. What judgment from God. The abhorrence of her presence is stated by the words, and bolt the door behind her. Look at 18 through 22. The various responses regarding the rape are sad and tragic. The innocent victim, Tamar, was shattered. Ladies, if there's any of you young ladies who are virgins, pay attention to this. It will take a lifetime to protect and to cherish the greatest treasure that God has given you. It will take a thousand of a second to throw it away. And you will regret it all the days of your life. Tamar demonstrated her loss and her grief. Tamar was ashamed. Being put out of the servants with her coat in many colors, her long sleeves signifying her virginity, bolted the door behind her. Her loss and grief, putting ashes on her head in 19, tearing her clothes of many colors and laying her hands on her head, going away, crying bitterly. It's done. The older brother of Tamar, Absalom, was indignant but passive. Look at 20. Absalom lovingly questioned her, has Abner, your brother, been with you? Very sensitive, been with you. He loves his sister. Absalom comforts her in 20. But how? Hold your peace, my sister. He's your brother. Do not take this to heart. He's doing what he can. He, he means well, but it doesn't help matters. Absalom sheltered her, verse 20 says there. And Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. Now we get the, the response of David, her father. It was a shameful response. In 21, the word but marks the sharp contrast to all the other responses. The reaction of David was to merely become very angry, but did nothing. David did not seem to hold his children accountable for actions as they grew up. Again, it's implied all the way through here. David had lost all his authority over his children, for he had failed in every same area as they did. How can he confront him? Though he should have. But he knows he's lost all authority. Don't miss the footnote in verse 22 to Absalom's response. His reaction was, and Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. And the reason is, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. A small fire is brewing. David was not aware of Amnon, Tamar, Absalom's attitude, strength, or weakness. He just is indifferent. I mean, I'd always have to confront my child, and I shouldn't. I should pray, but I have to make the decision. As I'm praying, that God will deal with his heart. And he starts growing his relationship with God. But when I need to confront him, I better confront him and never shirk back. Because God will confront me here as well as there. I have to pray that God would minister to my child by the Spirit so that he can see the power of God for himself. Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. What a heavy accountability we have as parents. I need to correct my children in their injustices with each other, bringing consequences to them while under my roof. Listen to Proverbs 3.11-12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, 
nor detest his correction, for whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. And it's quoted again in Hebrews 12, 5 through 6. If I love my children, I will confront them. Listen to me. One day they will rise up and call you blessed. But between now and then, they're going to call you many things. Don't worry about it. I don't primarily want to be a friend to my child. I want to be a father. And if I'm a good father, a godly father, he will be my best friend in the years to come. If you do not deal with their sin, you will be helping them to be destroyed. And God will hold you responsible. David dealt very differently with Solomon as we read the Proverbs. He learned a little late, but he learned from his mistakes. Solomon realized the folly of of not instructing. So in the Proverbs, you, you, you see him there as he writes. Just... Counsel after counsel. The first nine chapters, the uh, uh, wisdom is precise. A woman says, you young man, the simple man, I will cry out to you in the gate and you ignore me. So when you call upon me, I will ignore you. I'll let destruction come upon you. This is in the Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart. People always say, oh, yes, he, they come to the Lord, they'll never depart. They'll come back. That's not what it's saying. This is not a promise formula against the will of the child. This is the provision that they'll know the way back. Whether they take the way back or not, that's a different matter. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother, Proverbs 29, 15. The various responses over the rape of Tamar was, they were dishonorable. Dishonorable. Now, third and last, the vengeance on Amnon by Absalom comes 23 through 39. Look at 23 through 29. The timely plan of Absalom to kill Amnon is given to us. 23 says two years later, Absalom had sheep shearers in Baal Hazor near Ephraim, and he invited all the king's son. This guy is too much. The location was 15 miles north of Jerusalem. The event was the time of celebration and joy. You remember when David sent his men to grab some sheep from uh, Nabal? And he was shearing? This is the same thing. Now look at 24 and 25. Aslan presented himself before his father, the king. And Aslan gave a personal invitation in 24. Then Aslan came to the king and said, kindly note, your servant has sheep shears. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. He's apparently be gracious. Absalom had no respect for David, being unhesitant to deceive him. Absalom saw how David did nothing to Amnon for the rape of his sister Tamar, which would ultimately provoke him to rebel against David and throw him out of the kingdom as we move forward in Samuel. David was responsible. He provoked his children. Now, they're responsible for their decisions, but he's responsible for the lack of instruction and confrontation. You, you understand what I'm saying, gentlemen? Look at 25. The king declined. The response of David was, but the king said to Absalom, no, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. He's naive. He's just, he's out to lunch. He's thinking about the golf course. The insistence of Absalom comes in 25. Then he urged them. But he would not go, and he blessed him. Absalom was teaching, testing the waters to see if he would be able to kill Amnon without the presence of his father. You see? This guy is really, really evil. 
And the thing with revenge, it's never enough. Look at 26 and 27. Absalom petitioned that Amnon might go instead. And so David was a bit inquisitive, but no real concern. Look at 26. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, why should he go with you? And David was out of touch about his children. He should have said, Absalom, I know what you're up to. He did not. He never seen the discipline of his children again. Here's another evidence. And they're evil. In 27, Absalom insisted. But Absalom urged him. So he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. David becomes the very instrument for the destruction of his son Amnon. As he had been for Tamar. And so Absalom did not fear his father as Abnon had not. In fact, would end up again overthrowing him. From chapter 15 on to 17. Absalom's plan to kill Amnon was now in position. Look at 28 and 29. In 28, the order had been given. The particular condition was stated. Now Absalom had commanded his servant, saying, Watch now when Absalom's heart is merry with wine, just like David had gotten Uriah drunk with wine. Right? Wow. Where'd they learn this stuff? Often people say, well, you know, I have my, you know, I'm Italian. I I like my wine with my spaghetti. You know, so as a Christian, I, you know, I do it in the price in my own home. It's not private. Your children are there. You're saying it's okay. And they're young and dumb, which is a bad combination. And when they go out in their teens and they get drunk and they kill somebody or kill themselves, you won't feel that it's private. You understand? You may be able to handle it. How about your children? Are you an example? The authority for the execution was given in 28. And when I say to you, strike Abnon, then kill him, just like David ordered the murder of Uriah. He usurped the authority over David. Listen, do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. Absalom has already declared himself king over his father. Wow. In 29, the execution of Amnon is given. Absalom's orders were carried out. And so the servants of Absalom did to Abnon as Abnon had commanded. Everyone present dispersed. All the king's sons arose. Each one got on his mule and fled. Chaos. Horrible. Then comes the troubling news of Abnon's murder. It reaches David. Look at 30. The initial news was inaccurate. The news reached David and that Absalom had killed all the king's sons and not one of them were left. The reaction of King David was heart-wrenching. So the king arose and tore his garments and laid on the ground and all of his servants stood by with their clothes torn. This is what David should have done when Tamar was raped. That's his daughter. All of these were signs of grief and lamentation and great sorrow for himself. Look at 32. The evil Jonadab, the son of Shema, David's brother, informed David that only Abnon had been killed by Absalom, which he intended from the day of his rape of Tamar. This guy was an instigator of evil. This guy's a troublemaker. He plays both sides. He's responsible 
directly. And then notice Jordan presents himself as a compassionate comforter to David while being corrupt in heart. Verse 33. Now therefore, let my lord the king take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead for only Amnon is dead. It's only Amnon. He could care less. The words of David to Joab, again are echoed here. Let not my lord the king take this heart to his heart. <sighs> no big deal. Terrible father. Then Athan fled, and the young man who were keeping watch lifted up his eyes and looked, and there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him. And Jonadab, in verse 35, presented himself as a servant while being a Judas. And Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons are coming, as your servant said. So it is. He's just a great guy, isn't he? In 36, the reunion of the sons and the king was very emotional. So it was as soon as he had finished speaking that the king's sons indeed came and they lifted up their voice and wept. Also the king and all his servants wept very bitterly. Horrible situation. The home is shattered. Absalom just takes off. In 38, Absalom fled and went to Geshur for three years. And King David longed to go to Absalom for he had been comforted concerning Amnon because he was dead. The firstborn was dead and gone He's over it. Now David had a soft spot for the third son, Absalom. Charismatic, handsome, talented, but a rat. And his weakness almost cost him his life. Parents should remember Eli, who honored his sons more than God. Therefore, God judged him. He sent a man from God. In 1 Samuel 2, 32, he says, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk with me forever, but now... The Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Whoa. That's how the book of Samuel begins, with a bad parent, Eli. Parents are to protect, train, educate, nourish, correct, pray for, and confront their children. Parents need to rest in their obedience and example, knowing children have a free will of their own, and they can choose not to follow God. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are a perfect example. Now, they had a rotten parent, didn't instruct them. They laid it with the women. They stole from the offerings. They turned people off from the things of God in 1 Samuel 2. God dealt with the parent and the children. Samuel had two sons, Joel and Abiah. He instructed them. He oversaw them, but they became perverse, 1 Samuel 8, 3. They turned aside to the son's gain. They took bribes. They perverted justice. But Samuel was never called on the carpet for it. That means he did what he supposed to. God didn't hold him responsible for his children's sins, only for instructing and putting the standard for his children. Am I understood? Very important. I'm to supervise my children, confront them, bring consequences of their sin. The vengeance on Amnon by Absalom was inevitable. Wow. Don't waste this chapter, gentlemen. This is for you. The sins of David were manifested in his own family. The vile rape of Tamar and Amnon was treacherous. The various responses over the rape of Tamar was dishonorable. And the vengeance on Amnon by Absalom was inevitable. The king who failed as a parent. I don't care where I succeed. 
I want to succeed at home. And my children may not walk with God. That's their decision. But my succeeding is an obedience to God. You understand what I'm saying? Pastor Xavier Reese, using the shattered home of David for illustrating the vital need for the parents' obedience to the simple truths of God's Word in the training up of their children. Now, today's study is simply titled, King David Failed as a Parent, and is available on CD upon request for just $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, King David Failed as a Parent, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 